seated. Last Saturday, one week ago yesterday, May 11th, was a milestone in my family as twin daughters Caroline and Joanna graduated from Virginia Commonwealth University's School of the Arts in Richmond. That's Joanna there on the left, that's Caroline on the right. It was a happy celebration and we rejoiced in this accomplishment in their lives. They would be highly embarrassed if they knew I was showing them this picture but they're not here, so it doesn't matter. So the uh, commencement ceremony took place in Richmond at the historic Altria Theater, a beautiful facility from the 1920s. We were way back uh, in the second tier uh, under the shadows there where you couldn't really see too much, but that's where we were. At any graduation, I am always reminded of what a commencement speaker said years ago at a graduation I was at, and that person said, to leave this place is sad, to remain in this place would be tragic. <laughs> Very wise. Uh, we must move on in life, right? And of course, you know you're going to be there for a while when the dean's welcome and introduction of the commencement speaker actually proves to be longer than what the speaker herself has to say. So it goes. Uh, the speaker was an artist from California, someone I had not heard of before, known primarily for her work with marble sculpture. And she had some interesting things to say, one of which was when she told friends and colleagues that she had been asked to be the commencement speaker, they all said the same thing, which was, stop, get out of it. This is not a time for recording words. Wow, that was pretty jarring, I thought. It really caught my attention. In the world of social media that we live in, where so much of our lives can be put under the microscope and scrutiny of online critique, whether we want it to be there or not, whether for good or whether for ill, what does all of this mean? Where is all of this taking us? The speaker said that this is a time of great anxiety, uncertainty, and fear, and I believe that is accurate. But she also said that to persevere in the midst of all of that is strength, and I believe that is also accurate, to press on and not give up, to continue forward toward what is yet to be, that is our calling in life. And if that is our calling as citizens of this world, it is also our calling as citizens of the kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. For college graduates, what is yet to be is front and center in their thinking right now as they transition to the job market or on to graduate studies. For the rest of us, in the hustle and bustle of daily life as we go about all the things that are on our to-do list each and every day, we may lose sight of what is yet to be because we are so entangled in all of the things of the here and the now. 
But that is what the message for today is all about. What is yet to be? So on this fifth Sunday of Easter, the message for today rises up out of that epistle lesson from the final book of Scripture, the book of Revelation, and is entitled, What is Yet to Be? May the Lord's rich and abundant blessing rest upon the preaching and the hearing and the living of his word for Jesus' sake. So Jesus is preparing his disciples for what is yet to be in that gospel lesson. The scripture verse which we read together said, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Jesus is pointing those disciples ahead to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, which we will celebrate in three weeks' time. The Feast of Pentecost is on Sunday, June 9th. Similarly, in that epistle lesson for today, we get a glimpse of what is yet to be on that great and final day when Christ shall come again to make all things new, when there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Right now, right now, it can be very hard to grasp and see this. So much of what we see in this life, so much of what comes to us in daily news feeds focuses on images like this. It's violence, it's destruction, it's poverty, famine, warfare, bloodshed, terrorism. And without too much trouble, we can come to believe that this is the way things have always been. This is the way things will always be. But God sees things differently. And God calls us to see our lives and indeed the world around us, not only through the lens of today, but also through the lens of today with all of its anxiety and uncertainty and fear, God also calls us to see life through the lens of what is yet to be, keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, scorning the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. In our own lives, in our own nation, scenes like this are the exception to the rule. That goes without saying. But scenes like this are not. Perhaps one of the greatest challenges we have in this postmodern culture in which we live is this profound and crushing sense of loneliness that so many people are experiencing. In fact, experts are calling this a loneliness epidemic, all of which is very ironic given that there is a plethora of online connections and online communication, and yet research indicates that loneliness statistics have more than doubled in the last 50 years. 
what we are longing for, what we are looking for is relationship. And this is what the Lord God promises in that epistle lesson from Revelation 21. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for these former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Jesus, who is Emmanuel, God with us, is God with us, not only for time, but for all eternity. And because of Jesus' Easter victory, even death cannot sever this relationship of grace and life that we have been given in Emmanuel, God with us. The longing that we have for close personal relationships will find their fulfillment in what is yet to be in that new Jerusalem where Christ will make all things new. So the challenge for us with all of this, the challenge for us with what is yet to be is we want to know exactly how this is going to work. What is this all going to look like? And when will it be? We have a hard time not knowing. We want all the boards nailed down we have a hard time waiting. Graduates would certainly like to know what their future holds after the caps and gowns are all put away. Parents would certainly like to know what their children's future looks like, that they will do well in life. In the gospel lesson, Jesus uses a parenting image, a birthing image to talk about the birth pangs that the disciples are going to go through that will give way to joy. The disciples will sorrow over Jesus' coming departure, his ascension, but that will give way to joy with what Jesus promises. I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one no one will take your joy from you. Now that's about as specific as Jesus gets with what is yet to be. But in that epistle lesson from God's word today, there are a few more specifics, and these are enormously comforting. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. No more mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for these former things have passed away. Can we even imagine that? A life without all of these things now that plague us and haunt our lives? It's no wonder that this passage is often read at funerals. And we've all been there, haven't we? At the graveside, 
of loved ones. In a world filled with tears, with crying, with pain and death, we are assured that all of these things will give way to a new creation where the Lord God is making all things new. How? How does all of this work? I do not know. None of us knows those specifics. And maybe that's because we actually can't know. Our finite brains, capable of so much, simply cannot grasp the enormity of what is yet to be because it so far exceeds the boundaries of what life in this world is like. We have no reference point for what is yet to be. This is not a cop-out, nor is it a blind obedience kind of thing. This is rather a peaceful resting in our crucified and risen Savior, Jesus Christ. On that great and final day, when we no longer walk by faith, but what is yet to be is present before us, all of those nagging questions that gnaw away at faith in this life, all of these will fade away in the light and beauty of Christ who is risen, who is risen indeed. What is yet to be is found in him who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Here again, these words from the Lord who loves us, who has laid down his life for us. It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. That is what is yet to be. Thanks be to God. Amen. And the God of peace himself sanctify you wholly. Your spirit, your soul, and your body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Amen.